Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August the 15th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book in chapter seven, working with others. And today we're going to be on page 90 with the first two paragraphs being read and commented on. And it starts with when you discover a prospect. Today's read is off for the 12 steps of OA, Esther F, for the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous and Marie M. And our readers for the text today will be Santa H, Carrie P, and Chelsea H. Now the reference number for yesterday, which was Sunday, August the 14th, 2016, our special edition, the reference number is 8995. That's 8995. And that was a panel of six recovered compulsive overeaters bringing chapter nine to life, the family afterward. Okay, um, OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover from abstinence, I'm sorry, through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the uh, 12 Steps of OA. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 Steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. And thank you so much, Esther F. Okay, I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 1208 Traditions. Good morning, Janice and everyone. Um, this is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should be remain forever non-professional, or our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, overeaters anonymous has no opinion on outside issues; hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than a promotion. We need always maintain the personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And thank you much, Anne-Marie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing, we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Now, once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, one, a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay, today we resume our study in the big book on page 90. The first two paragraphs are going to be read and commented on. So now I will please ask, Santa H. to begin reading. Good morning, fellow visionaries. My name is Santa H., and I am a compulsive overeater, living in a solution one day at a time. 
calling in from New Jersey. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. If there is any indication he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Okay, we start my timer here. I am so grateful. Again, my name is Santa H. to be sharing on this because this has really been a hot topic for me with outreach phone calls. But I'm going to share on the first paragraph, the first one, I'm going to talk about wasting time trying to persuade him. Um, I recall when I was a rookie sponsor, I would um, drop fellows and fellows were fearful of being dropped. And then one day the universe whispered this into my ear. It said, focus on carrying the message as I have instructed you to do and allow me to carry its people. Leave higher power in the result business. I began to work on developing a more powerful message. And I began to micromanage my own program and no longer micromanaging others. And I had discovered from that experience that when you combine one powerful message with willingness, that is a powerful combination. So no longer today do I prescribe to the philosophy of dropping anyone because I don't carry anyone. What I do carry today is just the message and the message only. Now the next paragraph I want to focus on is getting the ideas of his behaviors along with the second paragraph, the second sentence that says if you need to place yourself in that person's shoes. Now for me, I'm into building relationships. My protégés come from outreach phone calls that I receive every day, and the individual and I have exchanged telephone calls over a period of time, which has given us several opportunities to have gotten to quote-unquote know each other. So for me, in every conversation, I give my best service that I possibly can uh, because it may turn into a relationship. It may turn into a prospective protege. And so those are the same individuals, when they are ready, will call me and ask me if I will be their sponsor. And there's already a mutual respect and trust, because trust is very important in this process, and a significant bond between the two of us. And at this point, I ask them, would you mind answering a few simple questions? And if they say yes, I will send them my question and instructions on how to reply back to me. And at this point, it is about the potential protege. I don't get into the mechanics of sponsoring at this point because it's not necessary. I have found, from my experience, it's a turnoff, and it's quite overwhelming. I'm here to get to know them not to impress them with my sponsoring style. I want them to know that I really, really, really care about their recovery and not the process. And at this point, I allow them to respond at their earliest convenience. I'm wrapping this up. 
no pressure, no commitment at this point. And whether or not they want to sponsor me is not important at this time. Right now, I am here to just gather information so that we can both decide that this is a working relationship for the two of us. And with that, I pass. Lorna. <laughs> this is Bella. Can I share? Uh. <laughs> Kim G. Melissa C. Sarah D. Janice, we're not hearing you. Thank you so much. I have already mentioned about four names. All right, Lauren S. I have Lauren S. I'm sorry. Thank you, Leah. Lauren S. I have Bella G. I have Kim G. I have Melissa C. And one more. Paula D. And let's get Paula in here. Paula D. Okay, Lauren, it's your turn. Cool. Hi, I'm Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Recovered Available Sponsor. Um, Yeah, at this point, you know, I'm not even talking about sponsoring or or going through the book or I'm not even talking about, um, you know, saying to the person that I'm a recovered compulsive eater. I'm just simply having a friendly talk with them. And part of this, get an idea of his or her behavior, problems, background, seriousness, and religious leanings. Uh, I think we lost you, Lauren S. Yeah, well. Darn it, can you hear me? Is this Lauren S.? Yeah. Please go ahead. Yes, we do now, dear. Okay. Oh, happens every time. Okay, so at this point, um, you know, I'm not talking about the big book. I'm not saying I'm a sponsor. I'm not giving them any pressure to work together. I'm I'm not even sure if they're a real chronic compulsive eater who's um, willing to stop forever and go to any lengths. I'm just having a friendly talk with them. Um, and part of this I was told is to ask about is there perhaps any other fellowships you belong to? Um, I was also told to ask if there's any other things that they're treating, like any other conditions. Um, so this, I think that's actually all I wanted to share about these two paragraphs. So thanks for that, I'll pass. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> we have Bella G. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Don't waste time trying to pursue them. Yes, before the program, I tried to pursue so many people, not in the program, in different issues, and it came from my character defects. It came from my people-pleasing, it came from uh, trying to, to, you know, to, to prove my existence, to prove that I am so smart and I know everything. It proved, it wanted to, it came from, from the point that I want the power, the control, and yes, this is a waste of time because it's, get, it's you know, it, it didn't come from a good place. It came from the place of my ego. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I am not trying to, to prove myself and to prove my power. Today I know that I am here to give over the message of God and not my own message. And yes, if there are some people that I think that they are ready to, to come into the program, and obviously I see that, no, it was, you know, they are not ready. Maybe, you know, today I think maybe I am not the right person. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe, you know, it's not, it's not meant to be that now I have to be the messenger. You know, it's a waste of time. Today, you know, God is in control. And I can try to do the best I can, but not to pursue people, because this is, this is not from a healthy place. Today, you know, I, it doesn't mean nothing about me. It means that I am not the messenger. Why? Because this is what God wants. It's nothing to do with me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. <clears throat> Thank you, Bella, and good morning to you, Kim G. Good morning, Jess. Good morning, all. I'm going to zone in on this. I love the word if. The if is a condition. It says if he wants to quit for good, and if he would go to any extreme to do so, you know. So we have you have to ask yourself: Are you willing? Are you done? You know, I, I think so often we think, oh, I'm willing to do it today. I'm going to do this one day at a time, which is what we do. But the question the big book asks us is, are we done? Because it's telling us if he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste our time because we're going, to, we're going to spoil a later opportunity. So that's a very different question. When I bring someone through the doctor's opinion and we identify those binge foods, I ask, are you willing to put them down 100%? Are you done? And if they say, I don't know, then I can't proceed. And the other part, if he could go to any extreme to do so, and one of the things I talk to my sponsees about when they start sponsoring is, you know, I think anybody in a 12-step program will say yes to that until you ask them to do something, and then they're going to fight you on it. So as someone who's sponsoring, give, I think it's our job to let them know exactly what we're going to require and then ask them if they're willing to do that. So as a sponsor, get quiet with your higher power. How can you most efficiently carry this message. You know, ask yourself, what time of the day are you at your best? Are you a morning person, an afternoon person, an evening person? You know, how many days a week do you want to talk with someone? You know, how are you going to handle the tools? Are you going to require phone calls? Are you going to require writing? Are you going to require them listening, maybe vision for you or, or have a home group face-to-face? You know, let them know how long it's going to take them to go through the steps because, believe me, you're going to be uncomfortable during that time period. So give them an idea of how long it's going to be before they, they have that spiritual awakening. You know, tell them what you don't offer. You know, I personally don't let them know. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a banker. I'm not someone you're going to call just to bitch about how your day is. That's what your fellowship is for. We're here to get you through the steps. So let them know what you're offering and let them know what you're not offering. And then say, are you willing to do that as opposed to any extreme? Because I have to tell you, it's not uncommon for me to get a phone call and someone say, Kim, will you sponsor me? And then they give me a list of requirements of what I have to do in order for, for me to sponsor them. Hmm. So if you're on the other side, ask yourself, are you willing? 
Are you willing to go to any length? When someone asks you, are you willing to call at this time? And you're like, eh. And you think, well, you're calling 15 minutes late. You're calling the next day. You're canceling. Are you willing to do what is necessary to recover from this disease, not just to get 24 hours of relief, a temporary respite? Are you willing to recover? And lastly, I just want to say, as a sponsor, what I believe is people's actions, not their words. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. Okay. Melissa C., it is your turn. Hi. Good morning, John. It's good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, if he doesn't want to stop eating compulsively, don't waste time trying to persuade him. Um, the truth is you have to want to stop eating, you know, not just stop gaining weight not just a desire to be thin. Um, you know, for many years, what I really wanted was to go right on eating, but be magically immune from the effects of the food. And I come across people, I think like this all the time. They want to talk about wheat, and they want to talk only about the food, what they can and cannot eat, and yet they don't want to stop eating yet. You know, um, my closest friend had the weight loss surgery a few years back, and she was once my eating and dieting buddy. She lost a ton of weight very quickly from her surgery. and um, But I think she may have what, what we have. And I see her weight coming back. Um, I believe she has this disease. I've shared what it is that I have. I know she can see the changes in me. Um, but at this point, I don't think she wants to stop eating. And so I don't discuss my solution with her. You know, I love her. I will not waste time trying to persuade Um you know, my job, my charge is not to persuade anyone. That's the disease's job. And um, I truly believe that when people appear as though they might be a prospect, um, I try to listen to them, to hear where they're at and where this disease has them. I don't tell anyone that they need to stop eating. You know, who am I to tell anyone that? They alone know if they need to stop. Um, coming on too strong and hard to someone who's not done with the food who hasn't reached the jumping off point, this can ruin my chances to really be helpful later. And that's my charge here, to be helpful, you know. Um, The family needs to realize they're dealing with a sick person, not a bad person, but someone who truly cannot help themselves. And, you know, my family could never say the right words to persuade me. Um, You know, I had a mother-in-law who sat me down and cried to me that she feared I was going to be her grandchildren motherless and those words didn't persuade me to stop. Only the disease, you know, that was the only thing able to truly persuade. When you can't live with it or without it, that's when you're persuaded. And so it doesn't seem cool to let people go out there and suffer, maybe, but um, I'm not God. And um, I think it's crueler to think that you can do something for someone um, when they're not ready, you know, and so our charge is just to be helpful. Thank you. That I'll pass. And thank you so much, Melissa C. Okay, Paula D., it is your turn. Star one, two, and thank Paula. Uh, I have now (laughs) unmuted, and I will unmute with a thank you and gratitude. And this is Paula D., uh, Recovered Compulsive Rowdy, by and with the grace of God. My timer is on. Time is precious, and there we see it again. And it's and I would like to camp out at, at this this line here. If there is any indication, now I'm going to put 
that finally me here with the with the, the other person that he wants to stop. So see, I'm already looking for something. More than looking, I'm listening. Any indication? There's not a judgment here. Here is the construction. Here is the building up of. Now, what is the ind- indication? Is an act of indicating what points out. What are you seeing? Well, listen, if he's with me, there is something already there. You know, we always start, and I, and I love it, because this, this is the part of the day, on awakening. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. Okay, now here you are with this person. We consider our plans for the day. Okay. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. There it is. Be with that person. Listen to that person. Watch how they, and it says it all here, their behavior. It says it in, in the, right here. Look at their behavior. Listen. Listen to him. The seriousness of his condition and his religious leanings, if he has them. And then it goes on. You need this information. Honey, if you come in with your own agenda, nothing's going to be heard. Because all that noise and all that talk is in your own head. There's no room. That's why we come on the awakening. And then it says, to put yourself in his place. Did you forget? You were there. You were there. And someone took the time, as I am, with that person to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Thank you, God. I say recover today. I say recovered. And that is my prayer for the next. If they give an indication, I am there. I am present. No more. And thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Wow. Okay. Thank you, Paula D. Okay. Who who else would like to uh, share on this uh, these two paragraphs? Nessa R. Nessa R. James. 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 Yes. Okay. Good morning, James. What's your last initial, James? Your first initial. James G. Okay. Next. Anybody else? All right. Okay. Nessa R., please. It's your turn. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. My name is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, when I start working with a sponsee or a protege, um, I really want them to recover. There's no greater pleasure and privilege as a sponsor as um, watching a sponsee recover and start sponsoring others. But what these paragraphs are telling me is that I cannot care about a sponsee's recovery more than they care about their own recovery. I cannot make them willing, and I cannot do the work for them. Um, If I get to that point, obviously there's something wrong with my own program, with my own recovery. Um, because, you know, willingness is a one-man job. And oftentimes we, co- we see people coming to the rooms, um, kind of exploring, and then they see recovered people in normal bodies, and of course they want that. But it's not enough to want what we have. You know, it's willingness to do what we do. And, you know, if that willingness isn't there, um, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what we as sponsors do. Um, But, you know, the opposite is also true, that when a sponsor truly wants to recover, they're going to recover, and it's not because of me. 
which gives me a lot of humility as a sponsor. I'm not preaching from from a pedestal looking down below. Um, when, uh, when a person is motivated, they could have the worst sponsor in the world and they're going to recover. When a person is not motivated and they don't want to do the work, they could have the best sponsor in the world and they won't, um, they won't get there. So it's really not up to me. My job is to remain focused on the fact that all I need to do is take a person through the steps whether they recover or not, is their job and their responsibility. Um, but, you know, before I do embark in the process, I do need to make sure that they're willing to do the job because otherwise I'm just spinning my wheels and I am, I am taking time away for some, from somebody else who might truly want to do the work and recover. And so if a person is not really ready to do what I do, to have what I have, um, then, you know, there's, there's no point in continuing the relationship. But I do have to stay humble because the recovery um, is not because of me, it's because of them. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Nessa R. Okay, James, it is your turn. James G. Good morning. This is James C. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the... Um, the idea of this, what's in the paragraph, obviously, but um, it says, get an idea of the behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, his religious leaning. Um, there's there's five qualifiers there. Generally, you know, when I first started in, in sponsoring, I used to think, man, because I was so excited about my recovery and, and the fact that I'd gotten through it, um, you know, I thought, man, I'd, all I got to know is if somebody's desperate or frustrated with their situation or at the end of their rope. And and maybe maybe a little maybe a couple of those qualifiers came in play, but what I found is that those weren't really good fits. And these qualifiers are in this book for a reason. To put you in a position to understand the subject, not just the fact that the pro, that there's a problem with a person, for me, it was just that, you know, what was the depth of that problem? How did it approach? See, you, you, I used to think that getting to know somebody was listening to their problem and not getting down to the idea of, of where they're at, wh- why they're seeing what they're seeing, what is their religious con- um, conviction to some degree. Um, that's not altogether important, but it, it is important. Um, the, the, uh, you know, just the, the idea of their behavior. And this is not only just so that you would relate, but that you would have an overlay of wisdom of what you need to say and how you need to approach this individual to be at best service. And I think when we see this, we'll see that we'll, we'll know, um, well, for me, I'll know how to basically uh, approach this person if the tables were turned. To me, this is the ultimate love. You know, God treated me um, with, with a lot of grace and a lot of favor and a lot of understanding. And he used, and he used obviously these, you know, a lot of you that were on the calls, my sponsors, to, to distribute that to me. And now that I see this, I can overlay that. I can use that best practice back across to those people that I haven't met yet, have never heard of me. Have, you know, they're just they're just calling to say, you know, I've heard I heard you can you can start somebody, or I heard you can sponsor. But more importantly, that they that they would have an experience. And that they would have the same consideration, the same love, the same ex- 
well, not necessarily the same expression or outcome, but that they would have the same experience of love for the opportunity of over of just basically getting through their 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 problem through the process of these steps with me being used as their guide. Um, again, this is this is a wonderful template. Um, there's five steps here or five approaches to getting to know people and getting to know the individual that you would relate, you know. Um, and it's really helped me in the process of of getting to know some some of the uh, sponsees more so than just depending on oh uh, they've got a problem or they're at their end of their rope or that another uh, sponsor either fired them or won't talk to them or and or won't deal with them. So uh, with that being said, um, I just can't I I just love the um, the wisdom that's in this book love the process. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, James G. Okay, before we move on, are there any others that would like to share on these two paragraphs? Kelly S. Kelly S. Anybody else? Sarah W. Sarah W. Anybody else? All right, Kelly. Oh, Leah. Leah M. All righty. Let's go, Kelly S. You're up. Thanks, Janice. This is Kelly S. from Oklahoma. I just wanted to give kind of a little different twist on um, the sponsoring thing, kind of coming from um, a sponsee perspective. Uh, Having been around this program for 30-something years and just now having 17 months of being recovered, um, I spent years um, searching for the fix, whether it was food, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Then I was looking for the perfect sponsor. And when I first started listening to Vision for You over three years ago, um, I, this is it. This was it. This was the, this was the thing that was going to fix me. Oh my God, here it is. Of course I listened for a year and, uh, took me another year before I was willing to put down the food. Then I started listening to certain people and I'm like, this is the sponsor that's going to fix me. I knew it. These were voices on this meeting. You guys hear them. Oh my God. They say like all the perfect stuff. I mean, I have to have this person. She's telling my story hunted down several women people that we hear every day on here because I knew they had what I wanted. I needed what they wanted and I was going to get what they wanted. And I was on a mission to call them. And, you know, there were a few that agreed to sponsor me and obviously I wasn't ready. And I had one in particular who was like, could tell that I was looking for her to fix me. And so the thing is what I have to remember, you know, of course, then it took me a while and my disease taking me to my knees to realize, you know what? nobody's going to fix me. It's this program in my higher power. It's not a person. They're just guiding me through this. And I was looking in the wrong places for the fix. You know, the, the, the solution is in the big book. It's not the person, you know? So, you know, um, as somebody else already said, it's like, if the person's ready, it doesn't, you can't say the wrong thing. So, you know, I have to remember that when, um, when people are calling me, is, you know, can I tell them their voice, they're willing to go to England and do what the program says. You know, I'm just guiding them through what the book says, which was the hugest change for me in my recovery this time was I'm following the book. I'm not following some other program. I'm not following what, you know, somebody's a sponsor necessarily. I'm doing what the, the sponsor I have went through the big book as it's laid out, and I'm following that. And that's made the difference. What's changed my life? as I'm following the instructions, you know, from the beginning of the chapter to the end of page 164, 
and I'm not looking for a meeting to fix me, a retreat to fix me, a sponsor to fix me. I'm looking to higher power in the 12 steps. And as a sponsor, that's all I can do is guide people through that. And I just, you know, I kind of wanted to put that twist on it because I spent so many years looking for that. So it's not my job to fix other people. It's just my job to get them through the book. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Janice. And thank you so much, Kelly S. Okay, good morning, Sarah W. Your teacher. Good morning, Janice. Thank you so much for your service. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, so, you know, we're talking about the 12th step, um, and we're talking about the idea of service. But we're also talking about, you know, for me, this is about building a relationship with somebody. And just like my relationship with my higher power, um, all, all that guides me with this is uh, um, love and tolerance. Uh, I think, you know, that really has to be a huge piece of how I'm um, looking at people. And in all honesty, I've had a lot of people call me that have been just devastated um, by uh, things that have happened with their sponsors. And I think sometimes this is the piece that 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 creates that. Um, it says, um, you know, don't waste your time. And I think some people uh, say that that means, you know, okay, you know, you've eaten, we're done. And I'm not saying that that can't be your your process or your thinking because what I've learned in program is I'm not here to judge. I'm not a judge and jury of anybody. But what I am saying is, and I really believe this in my heart, that that we're dealing with very fragile people often, and that if somebody's coming back and they're in the food, uh, they're in disease, and so am I. I have cancer, and I hope to God people won't turn me away because I have cancer. I hope they'll be gentle and loving and kind. So if somebody's not ready, the way I look at it is I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to you anytime. You know, um, maybe you do need to go out and eat more. I don't know. But um, you're certainly welcome as a member of the fellowship, and, and we do care about you. And I try to make outreach calls to people that are struggling, and I think it's important to let them know that we're still there. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Mm. And thank you, Sarah W. Good morning to you, Leah M. It's your turn. Thanks so much, Janice. Appreciate your service. Uh, Find out all you can about him. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. Yeah, I mean, certainly the big book is giving, you know, instructions, guidelines to the technique of, um, you know, I like, I like to think of it as, you know, throwing out the bait and kind of reeling somebody in. It's, it's an art because, uh, you know, people are, are human beings and we're dealing with, uh, you know, people who are ill. So, you know, finding out about somebody is helpful because, this whole program is based on that identification process. Um, 
and the more I can find out about somebody, then when I begin to produce a crisis, that's my aim in this conversation eventually, is to produce a crisis relating the seriousness of my own experience. It's kind of like turning the screws. Because eventually, in this conversation, at some point, you know, I'm going to tell him enough about my own compulsive overeating and my own experience uh, in the career of compulsive overeating. Um, So if I have more information about my prospect, then I'm able to kind of touch those points that that person will relate to. So obviously, I'm trying to find out all I can about them. You know, the big book talks about this identification process, but the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who's properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. How do we win that confidence? Well, part of that is finding out who am I talking to? What kind of experiences have they had? What, when did their compulsive overeating first rear its head? What has been the progression? How has it deteriorated some of their relationships, their lives? You know, what have been the medical consequences? If I know that information, it is helpful for me because then when I pull out my story, um, I can hit on certain points. Of course, it says if he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste your time trying to persuade him. I mean, willingness is a one-person job, and, you know, <laughs> pain is the greater, greatest motivator to effectuate change. So, of course, that has to come from them, and we learn that from our history. You know, if you look at alcoholics, Anonymous number three, you know, the language that they use when Bill and Bob went to visit that prospect, Bill Dodson, do you want to quit drinking? It's none of our business about your drinking. We're not up here trying to take away any of your rights or privileges away from you, but we have a program whereby we think we can stay sober. And part of that program is taking it to somebody else. If you do not want it, we'll not take up your time and we'll be going and looking for someone else. So that is the language. It's loving, but it ain't, you know, it's not hand-holding. It's tough love. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Yes, and and thank you, Leah. Okay, I think we're going to go on. Carrie, Carrie P., paragraph three, please. If you're available. Carrie. Can you hear oh, me? I can hear you now, Carrie. Please All go right. ahead. Good, mor- good morning, everyone. C- Carrie P., a compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of a spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good, and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of the fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. So good morning, my visionaries. I um Carrie P, recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts, and 
I like my line. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. You know, trying to convince people. You know, I've just found, I'm duly addicted, and I, and I'm big book step study all the way, and and I just find the food will drive them back. I don't have to convince anybody, and you know, I've been I've I've been finding in the uh, sponsoring process that I've been being interviewed, and you know, I interview the best I can, but all I can say is that I trust this process. Because what I know is that I am comfortable in my own skin today and I am sane because of this process. You know, a higher power working in my life. Um, You know, I can talk about what has happened for me and whether people want to come along or not is solely up to them. I get a lot of, I'm ready to do this, I'm ready to do this, and I give a couple assignments and I never hear again. And at first I took it personally and then I was informed it's a 5% you know, retention rate. And okay, so let me just move on to the next one. And I really love when I have people, newcomers who are working with other sponsors who have them reach out to other people. I love talking to them because they're already in the process and, and uh, you know, sharing this process with people who are wanting it couldn't warm the cockles of my heart any better. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Carrie P. Okay, we're going to open this up to anyone that would like to comment on this uh, paragraph. Chelsea H. This is Larry. Let's have Chelsea H. We'll have Larry. And uh, was that Sue G? Yes. Okay. Sue G, anybody else? Duo. And do. Duo. Let's go with those four. Chelsea H, you're up. Thank you, Janice. Thanks for your service. Chelsea H, I'm a recovered compulsive eater just for today. Um, I'm looking at here where it says wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval, and then at that point, I wouldn't be talking to their family with us, with we in a fellowship, but um, generally the person themselves would be the one giving me this information and asking them whether they're really ready to quit at that point. But it tells me the time frame in which to do this. This is after I have been patient and tolerant with this prospect. And it tells me also, too, that sometimes... They may go back out and eat. All this is not up to me. All I am doing right now is serving as a channel so that whatever is supposed to be happening in that moment can happen, and the source greater than myself will be doing the conducting of everything. That includes the other individual. Either my power is everything or it's nothing. So either my choice is to live in neutral and my higher power will direct what's going on in this particular situation, not me. So my instructions here are telling me that if the person is really um, interested at that moment, if it gives any indication that they're ready to stop, and if they've gone back out on the binge, I need to wait until they put the food down. 
because I'm not going to be able to do any type of discussion with them or anything until the end of the spree, or at least a lucid interval when they've taken time to come up for air, if you're anything like me when I'm face down in the food. Every now and then I'm able to come up for air to just stop for just a moment. Then, at that point, I can steer the conversation towards myself as someone who's recovered. Prior to that, it, it doesn't make any sense to do what they're telling me because the information I need is about them, not me. And I need to let them have their discussion. And if they're not ready to stop, I don't need to proselytize. I don't need to bang them over the head with this information. It doesn't say either that I need to walk away from them. It says don't waste time with me trying to persuade them. It doesn't mean don't waste time. For me, it means don't waste time, not that I don't have to waste time with the individual. It means, Chelsea, you don't spend a lot of time trying to convince people. I've got this. I'll handle it. And it's just so interesting to me that the directions are so clear. And in the beginning, I need to follow them to the letter because I don't know. This is I'm practicing. I'm practicing learning to live with integrity and allowing others to do the same and relying on my inner spiritual resources to guide me through it all. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Chelsea H. Larry Kay, it is your turn. Hi, Janice. It's uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thanks for your service. Um, the, you know, a lot of times when, when, when uh, and I have great compassion for you know, for someone reaching out. I remember reaching out to other people and I'm going to reach out to people that, oh, they have what I want, you know, but if I'm talking to you, you know, while you, while you have your crack pipe in your hand, you know, if I'm talking to you while you're, uh, you know, while the, while the chocolate frosting is, is dripping down your face and, you know, um, uh, you may be in pain. You may look at me and you may say, okay, well, this guy, he doesn't have a crack pop crack pipe in his hand. There's no frosting on his face. He sounds relatively calm. I like what he said. You know, but I can't talk to you. You don't have any clarity of mind. Now, I have great compassion for you, but I, I'm not going to talk to you at that point while you're injecting yourself with heroin. You know, um, I'll have compassion for you, but I'm not going to talk to you about this program at that point. I'm not going to try to motivate you to, to put your crack pipe down. You know, I, I have to wait till you have a, I have to wait for a lucid interval, you know, that, and, and, and these are really, really good instructions for us because sometimes I think what happens is, well, I got a hot one, I got a live one, like Leah says, you know, we, we, sit, we kind of reel them in, you know, um, and, and, and I desperately want that recovery for you, but the thing is I have to wait till your mind clears before I can talk to you about what's worked for me because there's no way you're going to take any action at that point have to wait for the clarity of mind. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Mm, and thank you, Larry. Okay, Sue G, it's your turn. Press star one to unmute, Sue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Thanks, um, Janice. Uh, Sue G, um, compulsive, recovery compulsive overeater. You know, I, I, I tried to get in under the paragraph before, but um, it says, wait to the end of the spree at least for a lucid interview, uh, inner, inner, inner vol. And, you know, it says that, you know, you, you find out about them so that you, you can sponsor them the way you would like to be sponsored. And that's what I'm trying to do with my first sponsee. But she is still 
struggling with occasionally picking up something. Well, and it's not necessarily sugar. It's it's something as a diabetic, something that she's not supposed to eat, but she occasionally, you know, until she doesn't send her food because she says she's struggling. And I've only talked to her a few times, but I'm wondering, um, oh, it's not the second half yet. Um, You know, I, my sponsor said, your food is your food. Get back up and go on. And we, you know, that happened for the first couple steps. You know, I didn't have, um, I wasn't able to absolutely put it down, never slip, never, uh, never pick up something. But I reported exactly what I ate. I reported if I had something that, that wasn't the best for me. And that's how I wanted to be sponsored. So that's what I'm trying to do with my sponsee, is give her the benefit of the doubt that she does want to. She so desperately wants to, but she's struggling, and that's how I was. Um, and so, you know, I don't, even even if you're going along and you're at step six and your, your sponsee uh, slips or goes into relapse, uh, I've heard so many people say, well, you don't just drop them, you take them back to step one again. And you go back and work with them, but you go back to step one. Um, so obviously in step one, a person can still be having a struggle. Um, so I'm a little confused. Uh, um I need to talk to her. I'm listening to all your shares. I'm getting a lot of ideas, and that helps me. Um, it's been a long time since I've sponsored, and I haven't sponsored since I've been in uh, the vision meetings. And this is my first one, and I want to do it right. And I guess there's no right or wrong. But anyway, um, it's time. she is doing other things. Okay, with that, I pass. Thank you. Uh, oh, Thank you, Suji. Okay, Duell, it is your turn. Duell. Good morning. This is Duell, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Um, I love this paragraph because, yes, it's true. Um, you're not supposed to go and try to save them and try to be codependent with them and, you know, uh, do the work for them. You know, it's saying, no, let them go through their pain, right, because pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change. And I think somebody's unmuted. Um and and so, you know, it says here that, you know, um, when they're going through their pain, you let them go through their pain because they'll be more receptive to receive what you have to offer. Um, so it's saying here, you know, after they come out of their drunk, you can't talk to them in their drunken state because they're in a coma. They're unconscious. They're hazy, uh, fallacious reasoning. They can't really make heads or tails of what they're doing. And one of the things that I see here, it says after they come out of that and they're in a lucid uh, state or at, they're at the end of the spree, ask him if he wants to quit for good. You know, this is not about, you know, making step one nice and cozy and all friendly and everything's good to go. This is about racing the bottom. This is about getting very deep and down and dirty with step one. 
Because you see, the disease is not nice and cozy. The disease is not something that's going to, you know, take you through and think that you're going to be okay. The disease wants to kill, steal, and destroy every relationship, everything about you, every part of your spirituality, and wants you dead. Okay? That's the disease. The disease is not friendly. So do you really want to quit? Do you really want to do this? Because we're offering you a way out. We're offering you the steps. Okay? And that means there has to be action on your part. Are you willing to go to any extreme to do so? You know, some people say, I want to, I want to, I want to, and I want to get this, and you get to the step work, and they don't want to do the work. They don't want to give up their foods. So really, do they want to? Do they are really taking the steps to go to any length? You know, this is about hammering home the problem. Step one is about hammering home the problem. And, you know, if you really want to, then the recover person has the answer because they've been through it. They've been through what you've been through. They can identify with what you're going through. So they're going to be able to help you through these steps, you know. But be willing. Be willing to go to any length. And the disease will bring you to that place. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, um, Duel. Yes, so our meeting is closed for this section. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. So please join us for our second unrecorded hour of study, immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Chelsea H., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Janice. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. <laughs>